0: Alright, so we'll just jump into the best movies, right? But um, before I forget, as I normally do, I just want to just do quickly um, guilty pleasure movies, right? So, no, they're not, you know, critically great or whatever, but, you know, I still enjoy them for what they were. I saw the merit. I, I had fun with these, right? Uh, a show that a lot of people probably forgot came out this year, but it's also from Warner Brothers, Godzilla vs Kong. Say right, yeah, what we want about the premise, just being dumb. Uh I just like how just small city wall it was and just how over the top and grandiose it all was. And it, it, it actually delivered on its spectacle, right? Uh also malignant. I know a right. lot of people are just like, Well, uh, I don't understand. I don't get this, or so this is just a But yeah. Uh, this this villain makes no sense or monster makes no sense. I thought it to be really, like, it just caught me completely by surprise, though. And I was just loving all these calls that they were making. I mean, yes, I might watch it again and be like, all right, this will work, that will work. But I totally enjoyed it. This is actually my favorite horror film I've seen this year, right? Uh, and last thing last, though. Uh, also from Water Brothers, but this is, you know, uh, direct-to-video. Uh, Mortal Kombat Legends, Battle of the Realms, which right. is a much better Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Than Mortal Kombat Annihilation, and a much better Mortal Kombat movie than this year's Mortal Kombat movie. So think yeah. about that, right? So honorable mentions as far as best you know movies go. Uh, No Sun Move. Sorry, Ricardo, I know this is right. one of your favorites, but I, yeah. I, I enjoyed it too. I enjoyed it too, just not as much as you, but I enjoyed it. Uh, right. George A. Romero's The Amusement Park. Um, this was a show right. that the more you think about it, the more it just really resonates, creeps you out as well too. And just the mere fact that he just made this because, <laughs> hey, I, I just lowered funds. I just do this to, to make a buck, right? And it just was almost forgotten. And then, well, thankfully it was restored in 4K and we could see it now. Yeah, brilliant, right? Uh, Spider-Man: No Way Home. Um, right. easily the best live-action uh, MCU film we've gotten this year. Sorry, uh, sorry, sorry, Tracy, I agree to disagree. Uh, King Richard. Um, right. Great story, great performance by by Will Smith. I do see him being nominated for an Oscar. I don't think he'll win, but I would like. I would be happy if he gets nominated at least, right? uh Malcolm and Marie um great film with um Zendaya right. and John David watched it as well too you know we just perfect for, sorry just brilliant film you know basically with two characters you know so it works there uh Rat of Man Um, uh, this is Guy Ritchie and the needs right. team up again I know you you not a big fan of it as well but yeah I don't, I, don't love that,
1: it, but, I don't love it but I didn't hate
0: it either. You know? yeah just to be a fact that it was a remake of a movie I was like okay Okay, that's how it it was executed, was brilliant. But I'm going to add just two documentaries to this list here. Uh, Tina, this is an HBO Max documentary about Tina Turner, fantastic. And Netflix's MLK FBI, just a really brilliant uh, film about, well, Martin Luther King and how it uses archival footage and audio just to tell the story was fantastic, right? So using that now to jump into number 20, I have to give it to Judas and the Black Messiah. Um, okay, this right. is easily one of the most tense biopics I've seen, like in a long while, though. Um, just this story, you know, with with Fred Hampton and well, basically the Judas in his group, basically, right? You know, we played brilliantly by Lakeith Stanfield. It's kind of weird that both were nominated for Best Actor, but I mean, thankfully Daniel Kaluuya won that. I mean, to me, Lakeith was the supporting actor, but some people think that Daniel was the supporting actor. I, think I don't know, Daniel whatever. supporting
1: actor, yeah.
0: Oh, sorry, sorry, they were both supporting actor, right? Okay, yeah. yeah. And they got nominated for the same thing, right? Or whatever, right? But yeah, um, I I felt that like Daniel should have been best actor, but you know, whatever, right? Uh, number nineteen, a show that I I hope you guys checked out during the weekend in Card Two. Yes, man. Okay. Uh, uh, this, this this was just uh, uh you know just a delight from start to end to just mm. you know, vibrant and colorful and just. You know, lots of likable characters, just a lot of great songs. And before I forget, you know, what I mean I was able to watch this at home, so I subs on and just just see the, well just understanding what's being sung now and hearing these songs again and like, yeah, these songs, these songs slap. Uh, from Super oh, yeah. Pressure to you know, we don't talk about Bruno, which I know is an instant classic, you know what I mean? So yeah, totally enjoy the card too. Number 18, Ricardo didn't get mad at me for this, but I actually saw this uh box a day and I had to put this on the list for sure. Paul Verhoven's Benedetta way. Okay. Oh, I wanna you, see. You,
2: that. you were right.
0: You were right. Ooh. The show is great. The show is great. Yeah, yeah but because I got into it too late, I, I I did I couldn't put this as a top 10, right? Okay. But yeah, what, what I really dog about this show is that, you know, he you know, Paul could have easily, right? He could have easily just let this thing be this sleazy, non-exploitation okay. film. I was like, no, 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 no. You, you, you're getting that, yeah, but it's not about that, right? It's a much deeper story about religion and politics and Goddamn patriarchy, which I'm going to bring up in a little bit. But right. yeah, boy, where the story went and just the performances. I didn't expect to see the Merovingian in this movie. I was like, yeah. You in this, and you, 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 you I, I hate it just as much. As
1: right, yeah. Too. All right, yeah, he was in this, right? Yeah, yeah, I forget. He was the arm. right?
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. and it was just so provocative, dude. That's, that's the key word, just so provocative, right? Yeah. And, you no, know, it, it, it it didn't rub me off the wrong way. I know some diehard Christians would be like, no, this is blasphemous and blah. I, I kind of look at it like, no, I, I get where you're coming from. I get what the show is trying to say, you know what I mean? But I, I thought it was great, though. Definitely check it out. Uh, Number 17, another show that I got into pretty late, The French Dispatch. Uh, okay. You're right, this, Ricardo, this is Wes Anderson being Wes Anderson. Oh, yep. my God. It is Wes Anderson, Anderson <laughs> all up in your face right? yeah, to boy. the point that you almost kind of forget what the story is about or what's going on. But this is what, for sure, I do want to watch over again because there's a lot of, right. you know, storytelling, like great storytelling in it as well to make it. Just kind of find yourself overwhelmed by the Wes Andersonness of it all. But, yep. my God, Wes Anderson outdid himself here. Buddy, okay. You know, yeah. He outdid himself. If this movie doesn't get an Oscar number, then why 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 right number 16 oscar winner for this year best picture no bad land right i okay. mean yes it's a 2020 film but you know we got this theatrically uh and streaming um in 2021 It won the academy award um Chloe Zhao deserved it uh front you know francis mcdorman deserved it you know, I mean best picture all that kind of stuff do and it's just how it just touches on well you know not everybody you know, like people still catching the royals, as we say in Trinidad, in, in, in the United States, right? And this show just kind of beautifully, you know, portrays that, right? Uh, number 15, One Night in Miami. This is one of um, right. the first films that I covered this year that I that I gave uh, a lot of praise for. Um, I rate that. Did
1: we? Did I rate that la- as last year? I didn't. Um, no, on I, I think last
0: it did. I'm not sure, okay. but I know we talked about it at the beginning of this year. Right. And I am so glad that this movie has made it to the Criterion Collection. Actually it's out right now in the Criterion Collection. You could buy this on Blu-ray. Or yep. if you're lucky, like, you know, um, like like CC, you bastard, you could actually pull it up on the Criterion channel and watch it. God damn it. <laughs> <coughs> but yeah, shout out to Regina King though. You killed it with this movie, man. Uh, number fourteen, a show that I got into late, but um shame on me. Passing. Um a, a great right, well, movie feature from Rebecca beautiful. Hall. Great performances from both Root Nigger and um and Tessa Thompson. Beautifully shut in black and white though, and just yeah. the story that it told though, just poignant, but just very heartfelt and you know resonant, right? Number thirteen, uh a show that I know you 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 really adore. Um Tracy, tick tick boom. Um, this was one that I got into fairly yes. late, too. But all I'll say is that Andrew Garfield can sing. Omg, and I am rooting for him to get an Oscar nom for this performance alone, because he was he was fantastic in this. His songs were great. Lin Manuel Miranda, uh, Manuel Miranda, sorry, came true with a solid DB feature here, and I just can't wait to see you know him do more you know um, films of this nature. But yeah, Andrew Garfield, give this man an Oscar, please, or Oscar numb. Number 12, also a show that deserves Oscar noms, even though it bombed at the box office, The Last Duel. Yes, boy. Yeah. No, no other show got me pissed off that this movie, but in a good way, though, because it's just like... Yeah, boy, the patriarchy boy, fuck the patriarchy boy. My God, you find yourself heated. Like I was heated on Adam Driver, I was heated on Better Flick, and then my demon do a thing, boy. I was yeah. like, nah, boy, I heat you too. Boy. Yeah, but it was still fantastic in this movie, don't lie. And I was blown away that both Ben and 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 um and, and Matt wrote this script. Like what? Yes. Man, what? You know what I mean? But, you know, as, as I said in my review, I could tell why it bombed. Because, you know, it's really Scott and people kind of expecting, you know, like medieval films have a lot of war and all that kind of stuff. Um, I mean, we do get a brutal duel, I mean, I, in, the, in the title, right? But just the reasoning behind it, though, is just so... Just like, wow, like, like, this was really how times were, boy. Wow. And, you know, shout out to Jodie Koma as well, too. She came through with a fantastic performance as well. But, yeah, um, this this was one that, you know, a lot of people slept on. But, yeah, people should definitely check it out because it's great, right? And last but not least, I'm going to give this a tie here. Netflix's Rudy Kenshin, the final and the beginning. As okay. a fan and as a defender of, you know, these live-action Rudy Kenshin films, um, I thought that he ended off the series quite brilliantly, both with the final and The beginning, um, fans should be familiar with the events of the beginning because you know this was adapted to you know an OVA that would be Summer X Trust and Betrayal. But how they they uh, remade it here in live action was just brilliant, in my opinion. And the final was just like this near perfect way of just ending off um this, this series as well. Too just you know, just top notch production, you know, what I mean, direction, action, you know, fight choreography as well. Too and yeah, I mean, if you are a fan of the Rudy Kenshin series, then you you will absolutely love these two films, man. So, uh, CC, if you could just run through your top 20 to 11. I know, well, just in general, I know that, you know, they are um, they are film discoveries, so they're not films from this year, but those are films that you just sort out, you know what I mean? Because I know you're still, you know, studying film and whatnot. So if you just mind just run through quickly your top 20 to 11.
3: Oh yes. Now, as I as I said, um, I I think I saw over five hundred films this year, when according to Letterboxd anyway. And so I tried to keep this list to ten out of tens, um, like 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 the most earth sh- like the ones that were like, oh my god, I didn't know movies could do this kite type movies. Um, quick honorable mentions for some some nine out of tens that came out this year. Um, uh, Happier than ever, Billie Eilish's concert film. I really enjoyed that. Oh, um,
0: I, I I need to see that.
3: Really good. Um, I enjoyed Shang-Chi. Um, really loved Leos Carax's Annette. Um, oh. Adam Driver has been having a great time at the box office. I, like I heard
0: that movie was great. Yeah, yeah.
3: Um, and then also, of course, uh, my my favorite Marvel movie of the year, uh, Chloe Zhao's Eternals. Hi, hi, hi. Uh, so, so, yeah, my honorable men, But then, like, getting into the list proper. Uh, top 20, 10 out of 10 films I have seen this year. And I'm going... Chronologically, so starting with the oldest on the list and then moving into the most recent, uh, mm-hmm. 20 to 16. So uh, 1947's Black Narcissus, directed by yeah. Powell Oh, Press- I, I know Press-
0: this. I, I, I've Plus seen it. it. Yeah. I, I love it, yeah.
3: So it. this was the year I finally got to deep dive into Powell and Pressburger, and of all their films I've seen so far, Black Narcissus is amazing. This technicolor, gothic um, anti-colonial horror film with all these psychological uh, it's a movie that looks so pretty but the stuff that goes on it is so disturbing and so uncanny and so like like up- upsetting and it, it's aged like an absolute fine wine um speaking of technicolor moving up to 1954 um nicholas ray's bizarre western johnny guitar Nicholas Ray was. Another oh, filmmaker. I have
0: not seen that. I, I know about it, but I have not seen it.
3: Nicholas Ray was another filmmaker I finally got to get into this year, and I think I've watched, I've watched all, the, all, all the the classics from him. Like I love Bigger Than Life, I love They Live by Night, but Johnny Guitar is such, it's it's one of my favorite westerns to show people who think westerns are all the same because it breaks so many of the stereotypes and the rules, and it it becomes this formally expressive bizarre movie like you have characters named venice and turkey and the johnny guitar is an actual character's name there's a scene where a character is talking about the benefits of coffee and cigarettes like it's a modern 50s movie but no it's a western period piece the three strip technicolor photography is not something you expect in a western especially with everyone's costumes being so spectacular Joan Crawford is great in it. It's just such a delightful, weird, idiosyncratic film. Uh, Moving from idiosyncratic to something a little more classy, sophisticated, um, from 1963, Lucino Visconti's The Leopard. And I am Uh, talking about the full full Italian cut, so the entire, I think, three-plus hours. This elegant portrait of the death of the Italian aristocracy. I, I was joking on Facebook the other day, that I decided this year to watch more Italian films, and I ended up kind of getting a crash course on Italian history from the unification of Italy up to the Second World War because yeah. so many filmmakers like love talking about that particular period. So, but of all of them, the Leopard is still one of the best I saw. Um beautifully shot, beautifully shot, beautifully staged. Um this, 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 there's this dark, there's this quiet melancholy to, like it has all the trappings of a classy period piece but there's a quiet undercurrent of melancholy to it as you feel like this world is slowly slipping away and like and Bert Lancaster who and this is not the last time Bert Lancaster shows up on this list uh, Bert Lancaster is in one of the many movies in which he plays an aging character who's kind of accepting that he his time is passing and he will uh, move, and, he, and he is and it is time for him to let go and move on uh speaking of we- going back to weird uh 1960 uh, also from 1963 but from another european country france this is this is a, a this is george frangu's judex which is a bizarre it's because Georges Franju is one of the french new waivers, and most people know him for like eyes without a face but here he is making a love letter to like pulpy serials like the shadow but except this one particular one of this character called Judex and so what you end up with is a kind of proto superhero movie devised by a french new wave filmmaker and a delightful surrealist it's weird the plot like there are like it's 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 an adaptation of a serial that was like hours and hours and hours long but it collapses it into an hour and a half and the plot, it has a lot of hype it's, it, it's a hyper narrative so like there's there's new plot points and new twists and new turns happening all the time um it's a delightful mystery and every time you've settled in comfortably with it some new weird thing happens uh you know Judex 1963 staying in the 60s uh 1967 John Huston's Reflections in a Golden Eye starring Marlon Brando and Marlon Brando and Elizabeth Taylor. I had a, this was the year I I, I got my wisdom teeth removed, and so I ended up having a whole weekend where I was at home, miserable. But thankfully, um, the Criterion channel decided that that was a good time to post their John Huston collection. So I was at home dealing with, painkillers and not having wisdom teeth anymore but thankfully i got to binge john Huston's filmography as a director and there are a lot of great movies john houston was a genius but reflections in a golden eye is also weird like it's a movie it's a movie from 1967 with two of the like actors we associate with like classical hollywood but it's about fetishes and sexual repression and suppressed homosexuality and there's the sexual politics of it are weird. And like, it's it's basically, it is a, it's a movie about what repression does to your mental state. And there are some, like there, there are this, there's a, there's a scene where we see a character riding in circles naked on a horse. There's a scene where Elizabeth Taylor whips Marlon Brando's character across the face with a riding crop. Like this movie is out of control, and the fact that there is apparently an alternate version where the entire film is tinted with this like golden coloring to it—that was Houston's preferred version. I only saw the original in color, but now I need to track down a copy so I can watch the gold tinted version because, like, uh, that I, I need to see it that way because this was one of the it's one of the strangest like classic films I'd ever seen. Um, moving on to one of my favorite categories of weird movie, uh, the kind of movie that I definitely discovered and it's, it's delightful to me, but I understand why not only was it not talked about or popular at the time, but no one has resurrected it. Like this is a movie I watched for free with, on, with, with ads on app, on IMDb TV. Like this is a movie you can barely get the DVD of it because like no one involved cares, but I find it absolutely delightful It's 1969. uh, Director Sidney Pollock's Castle Keep with Peter Falk and again Burt Lancaster. The plot follows a group of American um, soldiers who are, who their commander, played by once again by Burt Lancaster as Major Falconer, decides that it is their responsibility to seize control and safeguard a Belgian castle from the Nazis. and what's weird, here's the thing about this movie and why it turned off so many people, but why I love it. It can't quite decide what it wants to be. It's kind like you read the premise, or you look at the posters, you're like, oh, it's the dirty dozen or Kelly's Heroes. But no, it's too slow for that. It's too weird, it's too idiosyncratic. The editing is straight up French New Wave. The music choices are straight up French New Wave. Peter Falk plays one of the soldiers, and there's a whole bit where he just leaves the rest of his unit to go into town and take up career as a bake as a baker and they have to like later in the film coax him to come back with the others in their final fight against the Nazis um it's it's the kind of movie where like a a bombshell blows up one of the castle statues and it actually bleeds it's a weird movie that's like kind of stuck between being a 60s war film and an experimental like kind of Hollywood or French new wave type movie and it can't quite decide what it wants to be so it's a movie that pleases neither the artsy people or the, like, war film fanatics, but it delights me so much. Um, uh, I know we dropped reference earlier to um, The Devils when talking about Space Jam. And speaking of The Devils, this was the year that I got to watch... I got I finally deep-dived into the filmography of Ken Russell, who is one of my favorite directors. Um, he mm-hmm. is... He's a genius. Um, I finally watched The Devils. And in answer to your question, there is a Blu-ray of The Devils that has been released by the BFI. Oh, yeah, yeah, that one. It's the closest we have to an uncut version, especially since the Warner Brothers policy is never to release an uncut version because even now they're still too offended by it. And even after watching the closest (sighs) we got to an uncut version, I'm, I'm, I'm tripping out. But my favorite... But it is not actually The Devils, but it is my favorite... The Ken Russell movies I saw this year that kind of got me started is from 1971, one of his earliest, *The Music Lovers*. Why am I not where, surprised? <laughs> where Richard Richard Chamberlain plays um, Tchaikovsky, and he and he and he decides that the best way to deal with his um, the best way to deal with his repressed homosexuality is to ma- is to like get straight married, and hopefully that will like like hopefully that will fix it, but. He marries a, a an obsessed fan, and it devolves into this mutually toxic and not just toxic, but destructive relationship that ends up ruining both his attempts at creating music, both of their lives, a whole but anyone who happens to be involved in their sphere. Ken Russell, it's a fascinating film because it's kind of a hybrid between Ken Russell's later, most you know, visually expressive style, and um, and like earlier, kind of more like it starts out and you think, oh, okay, this is like a prestigious period piece. It's it's something a little more sophisticated and you know um, what have you. But then as it goes on, you're like, no, this is weird. This is a, this is a weird movie. And like it gets stranger and stranger as it as it goes on. And like it, it has these bursts of like, it 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 it's a move. It it feels like. The best way I could describe it is it feels like a prestige period piece that occasionally gets interrupted with sequences that remind you of the devils. And it flip-flops between those two so elegantly. And of, and this was the movie that I watched and I was like, I need to watch more Ken Russell immediately. So I have this movie to thank for all the other Ken Russell films I watched this year. So there's that. Um, staying in 1971, but going a lot darker and a lot more gritty and realistic, we have um, James Cavell's 1971 film The Last Valley with Michael Caine and Omar Sharif as, uh, where Omar Sharif is a wandering holy man and Michael Caine is the captain of a band of war-weary mercenaries during, I believe, yeah, the Thirty Years' War in Germany who find this little valley that is cut off from the rest of the war and so it's kind of this little haven where they can like leave all of the cares and worries of especially since like there's winter coming on so they need a place to shelter and there's a plague ravaging the land but this valley is untouched by any of that and so they take shelter in this valley but it becomes this but it becomes this clash because you got these violent mercenaries and the deeply religious um, inhabitants of the valley Omar Sharif's character is attempting to keep everything civil Michael Kane is one of his coldest bad guys you'll ever see him in this, especially since, like, there are moments where you get the idea that he's an actually sympathetic character who just wants the best for his men, but he's so deeply disillusioned by this war and everything he's been through. There, like, it, it, it's a very simple premise. It's played to its best um, towards the end as as like, things get, as, as things unravel and for lack of a better word, the real world does invade their valley, their little as things are trying to smooth over between them and the natives, the real world invades the valley and their little haven is destroyed and like it gets it a movie that was already dark manages to get darker and darker and there, by the end of the movie there's this imagery that's borderline apocalyptic. Um, no, the last valley 1971 uh, and then my last two of my of, of the, the 20 to 16 range. Um, going back to. As much as I loved *Reflections in a Golden Eye*, that was not my favorite John Huston film that I watched. That goes to 1972's *Fat City*, which I adore. Like I, it's it, it's a movie that I think actually I had kind of heard of because I saw a trailer for. I saw a trailer for it. I'm subscribed to a, a vintage movie trailer account on YouTube, and so I get some recommendations that way. But Spike Lee also mentioned it as his. Films that anyone who wants to get into movies needs to watch. Okay, okay. Um, it's it's a it's it's a boxing film, but it's a not it's not a Rocky type. It's 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 a very it's about this. You have this washed up boxer who hasn't had glory days in years, played by Stacy Keach, and this young up and coming promising boxer played by a very by a young Jeff Bridges, um, and the film kind of shows their parallel like. You know the old boxer's attempts to like, you know, like you know, get his glory back, while the Jeff Bridges boxer is like slowly but surely, like you know, moving up through the ranks and trying to achieve great things. One like Last Valley, it's it's a lot more dark, it's a lot more realistic. There's a lot of very quiet sequences. It's a slow burner for for a movie that's only an hour and a half. It's quite the slow burner. There's a lot of um, there's like. uh Susan Tyrell is in this film and she plays kind of a love interest. She's this al- she's an alcoholic who gets in kind of a romance with Stacy Keach's character. Um and it's kind of, again, something like the music lovers. It's kind of this mutually more mutually destructive situation than not. And like the two of them bring each other down. There are a lot of difficult scenes. And it kind of there and the movie poses the question about Stacey Keach's boxer. Like, is this guy like has he had a rough time in his life? Or is he self-sabotaging at this point? And then finally, going back to more formally express having having done two pretty gritty, realistic films, let's dip to a movie that completely ignores realism, but still manages to hit you in the absolute gut. From 1979, this is Bob Fosse's All That Jazz.
0: Oh, I, I've seen that a long I'm, time ago. Do I
3: need to recap it? I. This I, I Bob Fosse was another filmmaker I intentionally decided to watch more of his stuff this year.
1: Yeah, they, and they had a I think they had a doc, uh a, buy, a, buy a pick on him this year.
3: Yeah, uh, um, right. uh There was a there was a I know there was a show recently Fosse, right. Ver- which was I think on right. Blue. But I decided to watch his films, and so I watched Lenny, which I'm brilliant. I watched Cabaret, brilliant. But but all that jazz is fascinating because it's a movie that takes such a frank brutal portrait like i've never seen an artist do a self-portrait like this that is so unflattering and then expresses it so stylistically interesting like it's such a it's it's like Doing it as like a musical, especially as it gets more like a musical as the film goes on. And like Bob Fosse has one of the best commands of editing I've ever seen in any filmmaker. Like the editors he worked with on on his films are like, there's a precision to the editing in a Bob Fosse movie that reminds me of the precision to Bob Fosse choreography. And seeing that. In all that jazz is phenomenal. I mean, it, it's a dar- It's it's not a it's not an uplifting, happy movie. And especially like that last seek that last song sequence and the way it ends, um, it leaves you. It does leave you kind of sitting there thinking about life a little bit. But it's so worth the ride. And it's it's such a brilliant example of how no, if you're tackling just because you're tackling serious subjects does not mean you have to do like a gritty, realistic style. Like you can do difficult subjects with like expressive theatrical flair and still haven't have the a serious dramatic emotional impact. And Fossey does a brilliant job with that in all that jazz. So yeah, that was my that that is the, the first ten of my top twenty films that I saw this year. Uh, then and then the next and then the next five are the eighties into the nineties. And then my top 10 and, and my top five will be top five films that I saw this year, so yes,
0: all right. Uh, Ricardo, top 20 to 11.
1: Oh, yeah, all right, so just a bunch of mentions, but not in my top 10. Yeah, that's top 20. All right, so stuff to mention, all right. Uh, tick tick boom, uh, pretty all good, right, all right, all
0: right. Yeah. Saw it. nice,
1: yeah, Riders of Justice, this is pretty good. Ah,
0: uh, well, to see that, yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: The Humans, pretty good, I right, enjoy Ooh, that. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah, um, to four release, yeah, yeah, right.
1: This was slightly controversial, but yeah, it didn't make my top ten, but I enjoyed it. Lamb. Right? Example, <laughs> oh
0: yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Papa Papa Ball movie, right?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. <laughs> um A Quiet Place too. Right. Mm, right. Yeah.
0: Of
1: course. Godzilla vs. Kong. Oh
3: yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah.
1: That's really controversial. I thought i would make the top ten, but didn't. Um Power of the Dog. But it's pretty good. But I didn't make okay. it. Okay. Okay. Yeah, they make it, but it's still good. I I, I enjoyed it, but I didn't. I I I as I said, I would have loved it more if I didn't predict what was going to happen. Like I kind of call it. I was like, oh yeah, right, okay.
0: Mm, that um,
1: be. this one is a weird one. I I uh, it's a l- little on the listen than more, but um, voir. This was um, this was Did a bunch of series of films about the history of film in the country.
0: Oh, um, yeah, um, but that, that we'll was call count as TV though. Uh, cause, yeah, oh, you find it comes as
1: TV. I thought I, it felt like I thought it was more movie than it, anyway. Okay, okay. well, I
0: that, that, that is a to watch list, sir, huh? for sure. Right, oh, yeah.
1: a... um, okay, um, okay, some documentaries listening to Kenny G. This was pretty damn cool. Uh, uh, I had a lot of fun with this one,
0: yeah. Um, you see that and the DMX one, um, that yes. HBO Max put yeah. oh, I well, wanted to see those okay. um,
1: Roadrunner, Anthony Bodin's documentary. Pretty sad, ah,
0: still have yet uh, to see that, yeah.
1: Um, Julia. Um this was a documentary on the, the famous Cook. Um, okay. Yeah. Um the Val Kilmer documentary. I forget the name,
0: but Oh yes, Val, Val, Val. 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 Yeah, Val, that, that right, should have yeah. been my honorable mention, but I forgot right.
1: it. Yeah. Um uh, yeah, that's about it. So oh last one. Um this barely made it, but it's really close. But I remember I liked it a lot blue by you.
0: Oh yes, yes, yes. This yeah. was one that you, you were you were planning to put on your list. On yeah. your top list, yeah. All okay. right, so now we're going to jump into 10 to 1, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, right? So, Ricardo, if you don't mind, um, just run through your 10 to 1.
1: Right. Uh, this one is uh, the second, first person to make my worst list, but he also makes my best list of the year. Untitled Dave Chappelle documentary. Um, okay, okay, I, I okay. Th- okay. Mm. thought this was pretty good. Um, really, really simple, really, really well done. Um, what you're trying to talk about and say, yeah, mm. it's a shame that, you know, the closer kind of bogged this down, but it, it by itself, pretty damn good. Um, right. Mitchell's versus the Machines, right? It's really on my this. list too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really love That this. is brilliant.
0: Yeah, is didn't brilliant. expect
1: to enjoy it as much as it was just really, really fun and well done. Really, really works. Um, Green Knight, great. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. All
0: also on my list.
1: Yep. Odd. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I didn't appreciate it when I first saw it. Give it out next watch. I did a little bit of the background research, a um, couple of reviews. Yeah, it, it, it builds up for me. Um, Pig, right? Mm. So I enjoyed it a lot.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Dug it up. Really well done. Um six, Judas and the Black Messiah. Really, really good. Oh, uh, you know, yeah, art. but
0: that Nice.
1: Yeah. <laughs> really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. This was real hard. Um number five. He had a Fall. Mm. Uh, I, I had a lot of fun with this one. Just, just nice. It. So nice. Good. Number four, Dune. Um, you know, nice. I didn't I don't did nice. love this as much as other people, but yeah, I had props to the man. Man, man, hit to talk to you. Yeah, number but three. Move, man. But new yeah, but I get, give the man props. Number three, the last duel. Um, really oh, you have
0: it that high? All that right. high, yeah. All right. um,
1: <laughs> you know, again, he, he he gave me Gucci, Gucci or some bullshit. But the last <laughs> duel was really, really excellent. Really held it up, held it for me. So I, I, I dug the hell out of it. And then uh, number two, Benedetta. Ah,
0: okay, I okay, okay. Thoroughly okay. love this
1: movie. Not since, not since Mother. I've enjoyed a great, like, religious, making, you know, drop stuff. You know, this man nailed, nailed the conceit of, you know, further from church, closer to God. Yeah, that man carried that to, to the, our next level, yes. Oh, yeah. Right. <clears throat> and then my number one, I really, really enjoyed this story and script, and it really worked. Can't believe I'm saying it. Um, I didn't think it would uh, hold up so well for me. But my number one, no sad move. Um, I thoroughly. I, I see enjoyed. you.
0: I see you. Mm-hmm. I
1: thoroughly enjoyed this film. I, I thought the script was great. It had me, it had me, you know, it's one of the few films that actually kept my attention the entire time. You know, movies already do that nowadays. You know, sorry to say it. Now, here's a, a really obnoxious thing I see on Twitter all the time. The person who's live tweeting the movie. You see that fucking yeah. idiot. I hear that kind of person. But the thing is, I personally do that for myself. Like I'll just be like, yeah. you know, talking shit on my own or doing I don't I don't live tweet it. But i'll be like doing a lot of things i get myself distracted especially when i spent i spent even when i was in the theater right with stuff where i'll find myself super distracted you need know, different. Uh, i can't i can pause it right but like once i get a chance to pause stuff i find myself pausing a lot of stuff this year almost everything i did that um, but for this nope sat down what did you know the entire time didn't stop for a drink or pee or anything like that i just thoroughly enjoyed the script and I made it work yeah so that, that's just the entire yeah that's my turn, my turn right
0: uh so Tracy, take it away, you're 10 to 1, um, just running through them quickly. Um, also, you could just mention uh, honorable mentions, of course.
2: Right, okay. Uh, so my honorable mention uh, goes to, I have three of them here, but I'm going to go with Gunpowder Milkshake, which was on Netflix. Mm. Um, <laughs> like, it's it's it's, you know... It's like a John Wick. It's that kind of stuff. Um, it has my girl um, from from Doctor Who, whose name escapes me right now. She played Amelia Pond. Well, well Karen, Karen Gillan. Karen Gillan. Yeah, be, I, I just, love Karen Gillan. I'm like, I, I sat down and I watched it and I was like, yes, okay, cool. Gunpowder Milkshake, I can actually go back and watch that. Um, in terms of the top ten, uh, in, there's the French Dispatch. Or the full extent uh, of, I, I, of the name is the French Dispatch of the Liberty Kansas Evening Sun. I mean, because Wes Anderson, so why not? Yeah, why um, not? I, I just love, I just love the West, West, Westness of it. Oh my God! Yes, the Westness. So the, the Westness of it. Uh, the French Dispatch, uh, Shang Chi, and the Legend of the Ten Rings, which for me was like the most Vito, Vito movie that wasn't Vito. I mean, like his father is because there's a there's a thing with Marvel fathers. That they are in one way or the other, kind of like Darth Vader. Whether it is Darth Vader <laughs> evil, Darth Vader redemption, but he was like the most Vader. But I, I, just loved it. I loved it, and I loved the interaction it's between. A Disney thing. <laughs> between him, <laughs> between him and you know, Aquafina and stuff. So okay, so French Dispatch, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, Dune. Uh, Dune was joy. Ooh. Dune was joy. Um, I have uh, I did add don't look up in it. Um, for that line uh, there in the trailer it says based on real events that hasn't happened yet. It's like okay, I'm gonna watch this and I end up learning <laughs> So yeah. I have no, that. No, no Keep it
0: there, keep it there, despite what we said earlier mm-hmm. on I mean not, if it's on the list keep
2: it there, that's 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 it. So um don't look up is there and um listen, I love you guys. Like I I love you guys, I respect you guys, but no. Cruella is a deliciously <laughs> fashionable, wonderful actual film. I love hey, this movie. Li- live, I live, love this yeah, movie. Yeah, live oh by truth. Keep it, keep it. <gasps> your reputation. Oh. Live your truth. <laughs> I, I, oh my god. I just, I just smile <laughs> on my face right now. Anyhow, um, but yes. Okay, so Cruella. Um, and then it comes down to like the, the, the top four of it there. I am going to add in the Heights. In the Heights for me, um at the nice. beginning of 2021, and we still couldn't get into cinemas. And thankfully, HBO Max was doing their thing, and uh In the Heights came out, which is obviously uh, it's based on the the stage production of Lin Manuel Miranda, and then it turned it was turned into a movie. And he's not directing that. John M. Chu is directing that one, but it was just it was just so good, and I have the soundtrack for it because you know me and soundtracks. Um, this really was a good year for Lin Manuel Miranda. So, um, it was. It so, was. It was. You know, it's just it's joy. So I have in the house. Highest- um,
0: before I forget, did you did you even get around to watching um, Hamilton? You know, 2020's Hamilton. I, eat I, my favorite movie of last year. Make
2: I, me- I have <laughs> I, ha- I have it. I got this stuff and things like that, but I still haven't. I still haven't gotten around to like the full Hamilton. I will admit it. Right, gotten- well,
0: well, make make it a must to check it out like as soon as because it's it's worth it.
2: I have two days before the year ends. I'm doing absolutely nothing for the most part. So I will take it in and, you know, do that. Um, so, yes. Okay. So uh, where was I? In the Heights. Um, Warner Brothers did that. John M. Chu. Uh, Encanto. Oh, my God.
0: Uh, I knew you would love that movie. I knew you lo- would I, love
2: it. I, I mean, I, I. this is another one of those things where it's like, I simply must have the soundtrack. There's, there's three songs um at the at the top really and truly there's obviously bruno which like i was saying this morning on twitter bruno has uh we don't talk about bruno has that kind of fantastical element but then you have the the and then like rumors and what is it about who is bruno but the under the surface and waiting on a miracle there's there's something about those two tracks that, that i legitimately love and i just love seeing stephanie um Pro, and I'm using the word progress. Like I mean I've seen her in Brooklyn nine nine. And course. that was joy. We, we love her, we, I mean, we, we we adore her there. And then I saw her in In the heights and I was like, Oh, okay, oh, range, joy. Um and then I found out that she was going to be Mirabel in in, in, in in Encanto and I was like, yes. And then when I started to check out some of this stuff, like the singing voice of Abuela is actually um Miss Olga who was the abuela in In The Heights. So it's like you just... Okay, okay. These So I was really happy about that. By the
0: way, Stephanie can sing, but I was shocked yes. at her. Because when I heard it, In The Heights, like wait that's really you do. But then what I hear in, 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 in Canto, I'm like, wow, you have a gorgeous singing voice but my god especially that opening song you know the, yeah. the family magical that's been stuck in my head for like um, these you now, know? There we go.
2: yeah i um yeah that that's that that is on my my mobile as in like the soundtrack of itself so it's on my mobile to link and then my top two films um and one of them really aggravates me that disney plus is did not bring it out for christmas because i thought that was going to be my christmas gift to me but i will deal with it in the new year Ah, uh, Eternals, I, 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 Eternals, Eternals is like the, the, the vision of it, the religion of it, the, 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 the mythology of it, the, like the openness of it, like I sat there, I remember when I saw the first trailer for it, and they were playing, don't you know, it's the end of the world, and I looked at this thing and I saw it and I and I said to myself, yes, I need this in my life. And then I saw it on the big screen and I couldn't have been happier. And I just want to just throw this out: not every Marvel movie or not every movie needs to have to connect to some. Oh my God! But it didn't connect to anything bigger. It just felt like a standalone movie. That was something. Like, I was like, no, we can have uh, well, a standalone. that was
0: my movie. that was one of my gripes, but
2: I, understand. I yeah. like, no, like standalone. I just like we can we can have a movie that just, exp- you know, is there and and does what it needs to do. And I loved um, Chloe Zhao was talking about her pitch. Um, in fact, Kevin Feige as well was talking about the, the pitch that she that sold them. And it was a picture of a microscopic view of a grain of sand. And there was a piece of poetry that was with it and i just like yes that just feels in line with everything that i have seen and read where chloe ja was concerned i loved it i loved eternals i loved it and then my number one uh film is of course tick tick boom Aye,
0: uh, aye, aye,
2: aye. i so tick 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 Tick, boom uh, and i have it here as as jonathan larson lin-manuel miranda because even though uh lin-manuel is uh directed it i mean this was jonathan like lyrics and 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 the the entire thing is jonathan larson and it was really um like it was aggravating for me because i love rent i absolutely love rent but i did not know about tick tick boom and i was like how can you see you you know i'm telling myself how can you see you love jonathan larson you didn't know and i went back and go on on youtube and started watching like you know the camera the old VHS tapes that somebody would have taped of him actually doing tick tick boom, in the theater as as like this is gold, and so to see Andrew, um, like embody that, and you know full disclosure, I I cannot go a Sunday without playing Sunday, um, at the Blue Chromium Diner, I I I loved the I love the feeling of it. I loved the the messaging of it. Um, Thirteen ninety. Has a specific has a, a close thing for me because it's like yes we are all counting down our days here um, on this planet trying to make sure that we actually accomplish something. I just I, th- I thought that entire cast was was good. I love what what Lin Manuel Miranda was able to bring to it um, because one could argue that Jonathan Lawson pretty much teed it up. But even though you know he, he, he made this having a director having the wrong director might have just made this ah, but this for me went over so those are my those are my top ten and of course my honorable mention being uh, gunpowder milkshake
0: all right all right I will I will save mine for last if you all know mine CC if if you could just run through your ten to one quickly and then I'll jump into mine closing so
3: all right so um first of all uh this is my ten to six of favorite films I saw this year, um, and these are the last ones that did not come out in twenty twenty one. From nineteen eighty seven, Walker. This movie. Ah, yes, yeah,
1: yeah. amazing. Hard. like. Yeah, I love,
3: like, I watched Alex Cox's um, Repo Man, and uh, Repo which Man, which I
0: own on Blu ray. So, so good. You know.
3: like, yeah, this is phenomenal. And then like. But I feel like everyone talks on Repo Man. And no one says that he made other movies except for the except for Sid and Nancy. And then someone recommended Walker, and I watched it. And I had and I don't get this often, but I had one of those I didn't know movies could do that moments because Walker goes so hard. It's a historical film that is also deliberately kind of making a parallel between a then contemporary event and classical history, and making it an explicit parallel the performances are all unhinged the music is out of control the, the like the right, action right. the violence are over the like over. It, it's it's a phenomenal movie it's 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 another one of my kind westerns for people who don't like westerns because it does kind of fall into a lot of the trappings and like right the main character of walker himself is kind of a western like Gunslinger, adventurer type, but putting him in this, it becomes a very man who would I,
1: I, listen. Ed Harris is absolutely perfect in this, huh? Like, he is, oh yeah, perfect. Um, your boy Odo in this, yeah, uh,
3: yeah, yeah, uh, deep,
1: yeah, yeah, over Genois, right. yeah. Yeah. yeah,
3: yeah, he's also brilliant, like, yeah, also he, he was out in this too, yeah, he's hilarious, but he's brilliant, yeah. yeah, um, but no, Walker 19. I'm still, I saw this movie around the middle of the year, and I am still thinking about it. Um, but also from 1987, completely different vibes, but another Italian filmmaker. Bernardo Bertolucci's The Last Emperor. Still this, on my to-watch list. So I suck. I know. It is easily Bert- Bertolucci's best movie. And I also saw Nova Kento this year, which, by the way, that is a movie that earns its five-hour runtime. But Last Emperor is, all, is by far, It is. it is an absolute masterpiece. Like, it is this tragic... It takes a a figure that I like it takes the last emperor of China a figure that's just like surrounded in mystery and makes him this deeply tragic sympathetic character this like deeply unbalanced maladjusted character and makes him like really sympathetic and there are there are moments in this movie that brought me to tears even after watching it the second time so uh no last emperor 1987 absolutely brilliant um from 1990. Um, Barry Levinson's Avalon, the third film in his, All right. All right. the third film in his, in his Baltimore quartet. And I love the rest of the Baltimore quartet. Um, Tin Men is really good. Diner is really good. I had seen Diner before, but this year I decided this would be the year I would finish the Baltimore quartet. And so I watched, uh, I watched Avalon and I watched Liberty Heights. Avalon is the best of the hands down of the, it is, it is a it's a brilliant multi-generational immigrant story it shows it shows the closeness of this Jewish American family and like their network and like them you know surviving in you know in Baltimore in the 60s but it also starts to show the slow fragmentation of that way of life and that culture as this tight family unit slowly starts to unravel in bits and places and it becomes this really, poignant sad look at a time gone by and like kind of the kind of like what happens to immigrant communities after they've been living in an, in an, in an alien culture for generations. There are so many beats in this that absolutely hit home and that like got me very personally. And I, 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 not only do I own this, not only I need this movie, I have not got a copy yet, but I own a printed version of the screenplay. I love it that much. Um, nice. And then this, this next one, is a, I feel like, is a lot more familiar to um, Trini's, sadly, because of America and the way, and the kind of American illiteracy of Indian film. This is not as well known here, but it needs to be. So you all probably know this one. But 1995, Mani Ratnam's Bombay. Ah, yeah, yeah. I finally, finally saw this year, because I was watching, I, was, I actually took a class on Indian cinema, partly as an excuse to watch Indian film again, because I haven't in a long right. time. And I, I actually wrote a whole paper on the use of songs and musical numbers in the Terrorism Trilogy. And I like the other two. Like, Roja is pretty good. A little, little, little muddy in places, but pretty good. dilse is really good. There's a couple things about it that don't quite sit right with me, but dilse is pretty good. But Bombay is a masterpiece. Bombay is a stone-cold masterpiece. Like, and, like, especially as someone who myself is, like, finds that, like, navigating that difference and that culture clash between, like, you know, trying to create a life together when you're coming from two different religious backgrounds and you're coming from two different, um, like, world views, but, like, still having that, like, love for each other and then eventually your children, like, is what binds you together. And then on top of that, while all of this religious violence is happening around you and all of this chaos is happening, and at a time when I feel like especially in the states is why i think i need more americans to see this movie and like globally as well at a time when the religious lines are at some of their worst and some of their most strict watching a movie that's just about this family navigating bridging that religious divide while the rest of the world is in flames is a very it becomes a very poignant like it becomes a very poignant thing to do and of course being money ratnam there's like there's like a song in there that i'm not the biggest fan of, but all the other music sequences are flawless. And then uh, number six, from 1998, uh, I don't even know how to give a proper introduction to this one, but this also got me right in my feels, Velvet Goldmine, from Todd Haynes.
0: Oh, I've heard of that, and I know he has a movie that came out this year, that we hear a little greetings about,
3: but, you know, time... Todd Haynes is another one that I finally got to do a little more looking into. I've seen this and I saw his Bob Dylan movie which I'm still thinking about. I'm still mulling over and processing, but that one's like really good. But Velvet Goldmine as this love letter to as this love letter to identity and discovering yourself and glam rock like I know a lot of people say that it's very obvious that this was a David Bowie biopic with the serial numbers filed off, but I do think that filing off the serial numbers allowed it to be a more broad, general love letter to glam rock than being a specific David Bowie biopic. And I think that is what works the film's advantage. It's so stylistically interesting, it's so expressive, and very genuine and heartfelt. And like one of, I, I love Christian Bale in this movie, but I love all the performances, and it is spectacular. But. We are now at, and bear in mind, it is not that I watched a lot of movies this year and hated them, but there are a lot of films that this year that came out that I just simply have not gotten around to. Like, I want to watch Mitchell's and the Machines, but I haven't got around to it, and Harder They Fall, and a lot of others, um, Tick, Tick, Boom in particular. But, like, of the films I was able to make time to go see, especially since I saw a lot of these in theaters, um, movies I made time for, or was able to catch on streaming, or whatever, or even in some cases had to like wait, like something like *Pig* and *Nomadland*, which I watched um, once they hit Hulu, and I love both. Both those are ten out of tens, but not on my top five. But these are top five favorite movies that came out in ranked in that came out in twenty twenty one. Number five is *Dune*. Um, I nice. Nice. *Dune* is I am, I've been a fan of the book for some time, and *Dune*. I- is the perfect realization of the book. Like, it, yeah. any place where it's not word-by-word word loyal are places where the book could have, like, you needed to adapt it to the medium. And Villeneuve does the, does the Star Wars trick of creating a world that honestly feels lived-in and organic. Like, I feel like a big problem with a lot of genre, with science fiction or fantasy, is accidentally creating worlds that feel like sets. They don't feel lived-in. They don't feel... Um, they don't feel organic. They they feel like sets. But with Dune, you get this or orga- you do get this organic sense that these are lived in worlds, and Villeneuve's ability to, to like capture all of the grandiosity and all of the like potency of the book is absolutely flawless. And I cannot, for the life of me, wait for the next na- I can't I cannot believe we have to wait till twenty twenty three for this for to get part two. Um, number four yeah. is a comeback film. Honestly, for me, it's a comeback because this is from a director who hasn't made a film I liked like recently in a long time. But and but like as a and like it's also uh, a comeback vehicle for a couple screenwriters who made a movie I adore and then didn't do anything else for decades. But number four uh, is yes. the last duel. I uh uh-huh. uh-huh. I, I love Ridley Scott as a director, and I love Good Will Hunting. Like I love Ben Affleck and Matt Damon as writers. So the fact that we didn't get anything else from them for years while they went off and did their own stuff was, like, a little sad because I think they balance each other out. Like, I've seen some of the stuff they've done individually, and it just it just doesn't do the same thing for me. But getting them back together to work on The Last Duel and then even bringing on a collaborative writer to help them with the script. Uh, what was her name? Uh uh oh yeah, Nicole Holof Holoff Center. Uh big shout out to her as well as like as the third writer they brought on to write this. Because this is a movie where I need a printed copy of the screenplay. I absolutely need it. something because like I am sitting here as a writer and amateur narratologist, it is fascinating to watch a movie where the story is told in the negative spaces. It's a movie where what 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 is happening and what right. is oh, right. what is it's all be it's all the different, like I got so frustrated. When people complaining this film was repetitive because I'm like, that's the point. You are su- the repetition is supposed to encourage you to look for the differences between their stories. You are supposed to be, and like the movie is very clear on that. And there's so much subtlety, and that goes back to the brilliant direction by Ridley Scott. There's so much subtlety in the differences, and once you pay attention to those differences and where the different stories vary and differ from each other, it really. It's it's one of the most complex and subtle screenplays in a long time. Plus, shout out to Adam Driver for agreeing to play an absolute horrendous, garbage excuse of a human being. Like, I know, right? Holy. Like right. I watching the, this is not a spoiler, but like watching the movie, um, watching the movie when we got to his version of events, I was like, "Oh man, he's going to defend himself." But then he right. doesn't. And I'm like, yeah.
1: "Well, like, you know business, you know.
3: And I'm like, well, uh, court case over. He, he admitted it, right? Like, like all all he did was try and justify it. I I was like, wow. And like, but in that, and throughout the film there's a frank earnestness and honesty to it and the way it discusses gender politics and discrimination and like, obviously, um, Jodie, obviously Jodie Comer's section is probably the best. Like, it's the section that brings the the first two bits home and makes everything um, work. But no, um, I absolutely adored The Last Duel. Um, Number three, another historical film um, took me completely by surprise. I love this so much. Um, Judas and the Black Messiah. I was taken aback. Like, I was nice nice like i do not understand how a movie this like very this earnest this blatantly con- like that blatantly condemns the powers that be so overtly and very much makes it clear that like the sympathies lie with the black panther got made by a major studio how how like i'm sitting there like how that- like we always talk about how oh we're never going to get a movie about certain figures in history because they're too controversial. But like I'm sitting here at Judas and the Black Messiah is a miracle. It's like that, it's like a baby that overcomes that like overcomes any kind of difficult circumstances and becomes into this world beautiful. And I'm like, this movie has no reason to exist, especially not to be as radical and as bristle and as like, you know, confrontational as it is, but like it does and the world is an absolute a better place for it um um and then moving on my number two uh, my second favorite film of the entire year is david lowry's the green knight i
0: nice I, so yep. i yep.
3: have i am a mythology and folklore obsessive i collect this year for christmas i got uh my, my wonderful partner got me a copy of Le Morte d'Artour, and that is the kind of nerd I am, where like that was one of my favorite Christmas presents. Um I am a, I read The Green Knight when I, was, when I was a teenager. I have and like Arthurian lore has always intrigued me. Like one of my favorite films of all time is Excalibur. But like here comes David Lowry with The Green Knight. And I said and I knew this was gonna be weird. I didn't I knew some people were expecting some kind of actioner or something a little more conventional. I don't know why they were, but whatever. Like we went to see it in the theaters and we and there were people who came out of the theater grumbling about it and like, "Oh, whatever." And I was like, "I'm so sorry that I am as, that you are as boring as you are that you could not appreciate this." Like it is such a great surreal um it adapts the subject matter. Like, it's so difficult to adapt medieval literature because medieval literature is so idiosyncratic and it doesn't. it's not structured the way we think of a good three-act structure because the three-act structures we think of it now is a very contemporary invention in the grand scheme of things. Medieval literature has a very weird pace to it, but David Lowry commits to that pace and he commits to all of the weirdness that comes with... He commits to all of the weirdness... That comes with like adapting, uh, with uh, with with like adapt with like adapting a piece of medieval literature, and the visuals are gorgeous. Like this man, this man, th- this man, still shocks me because like I had no expectations of him. Like I hadn't really seen much of his other stuff, and then I saw his remake of Pete's Dragon, and I was right, like, this movie right. is better than it has any right to be. What the hell, man? And so I was eagerly awaiting The Green Knight, and then I saw it, and it's a masterpiece. And I, whatever, he's he's kind of fallen into the Robert Eggers camp of, listen, whatever you make, I'm there. I don't care what it is at this point. Like, whatever you make, I'm there. So, yeah, that weird Peter, like, that Peter Pan adaptation he's doing for Disney, I'm very excited for. Um, you no, know, The Green Knight, number two favorite movie of the year. Um, but then, of course, all the films I've seen this year, And I'm talking all of them. So like older films, new films, theatrical, streaming, DVD. My favorite film of the year is this celebration of so many things I love. From from one of my... Like from a filmmaker who gets me out of bed in the morning to go make stuff because he's just that inspirational to me. And easily the best... Comic book movie that came out this year by a county mile. Right. I am mm-hmm. talking, of course, about right. James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. Suicide
1: Squad. The Suicide Squad. I had more yeah. honorable mentions this, but I, I missed it. Like I, I slip of Truman this. I was like, did I mention Suicide Squad? I like, no. Oh sure. Yeah. So yeah.
3: I was I, I have been following this film ever since it was greenlit. And, ever, and and people were like, I don't know, Suicide Squad's crap. I don't know how a sequel's going to play out. And I'm like, listen, in gun we trust, all right? right. Like yeah. yeah, that man had his edgy origins and even he has a and even he has said that like his early days were a little like eh, whatever, but like he has come so far, as a filmmaker. And The Suicide Squad is almost is him kind of at the mastery of his craft. Like, The Guardians films have a technical polish and a... And I can't wait for... Vol- Volume 3 is going to blow me away. Like, I, I cannot think of a Marvel movie I am more excited for, period, yeah. than The Guardians Volume 3, because yeah. I'm really ready to see the, tri- the, the final... The, the concluding chapter to this trilogy he has been so carefully constructing. So Suicide Squad feels like this delightful side note in my kind of anticipation for Guardians, because he takes... And, like, a lot of people were like, oh, man, it's gonna be Guardians 2.0. But again, it isn't. He he understands the original John Ostrander comics from the 80s. And I have all... I have the complete John Ostrander run of Suicide Squad in trade paperback. And they are nice. all... There's a, there's a couple story arcs here and there that aren't, like, the best. But, like, John Ostrander... Does such a brilliant job with them, and like Gunn understands what makes it work. Where you take these honestly disposable characters, and the trick is you make people care that you kill them off. You take utterly disposable—you take characters right. that the, rest of the comics have dis- have decided are disposable, yeah. don't matter—and you make your audience care when you kill them. Like, not, not, not. Okay, yeah, not obviously spoilers, but, like, there are two deaths that, like, hit so hard in yeah, that movie.
2: Really.
3: Like, and, like, one of them is fascinating because, like, I go, I'll go back to this. This is one of those scenes I revisit uh, so many times when yeah, I think... Yes! No. Yeah, that, yeah. That, read, read. <laughs> that, that is one of the most complex sequences I've seen in a blockbuster from a mainstream studio all year because yeah. it's, like, it's a confrontation of ideals. It's... Yeah, yeah. It's so brilliant. It's, um, you know, what a, am- especially like when and like this is nationalism in general, but it is specifically American nationalism. It's like, it's when nationalism goes up against critical patriotism, right? It's like when you love your country, but you're prepared to actually question it, and you know that it's in the right. country's best interests to call it out when it goes astray, right. versus blind obedience, and that conflict. Yeah, and that, they nail it so well. And, like, yeah. especially since it's, it, it, they set up both characters so well, and when they finally go to a head, it's 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 the worst kind of fight because it's one of the most difficult fights to watch in the entire movie. And this is a movie with a lot of, holy shit, by the way, hard R James Gunn has still got it. Yeah. Like, hard R. Oh, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.
3: Gunn just- still knows how to do hard R. Like, I... Was not expecting a movie with Starro the Conqueror to remind me of a David Cronenberg movie, but here we fucking are. Like, there are like it's it's a movie that's still got that 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 gruesome touch of something like Super or Slither, but it does it with right, the right. Like, right. Yeah. But it creates that violent con- like contrast because there's, and this is comic book characters at their most comic book. Right. Like, these are like. Comic book characters at their most comic book, and like we're not trying to make them realistic or grounded. No, no, no. Javelin is wearing a blue and yellow suit and has a big Javelin over his shoulder. Like, and then you have that and you juxtapose that with the violence and everything else, and there's so many ideas in play. Every character is so richly and affectionately rendered. The movie is just like I and like as a war film? As like the as the sequel as the succession to something like Kelly's Heroes or Dirty Dozen or the original and glorious Bastards, it works. As a comic book movie, it pushes so much against the walls of the genre until they buckle a little bit, and I think better like honestly better for it. But no, I, I saw it in theaters. I saw it at home. I think twice. I need a physical copy as soon as possible. Suicide Squad was the Suicide James Gunn's The Suicide Squad was. My favorite film that came that I saw or that came out in twenty twenty one.
0: All right, nice, nice, nice. So last but not least, moi on my top ten, right? Number ten, pig um nicholas cage came true yep. with a was- super performance here it was a rather was unconventional story yeah that 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 pig is so goddamn cute um mm-hmm. but they really touch on grief in a way that i did not expect to and you know the film could have gone and oh you know what i mean the john wick route oh you kill my pet i'm gonna kill you or you kidnap my pet i'm gonna kill you thing but no you just really see how detached nicholas Cage's character is from the world and then when you learn more about this character and why he is the way he is though it is just a cut to end, especially that ending wow uh number nine i have to give it to in the heights uh one of my one of the best musicals i've seen all year though it was just so vibrant so e- e- excited so hard? engaging though just brilliant it's a, shame, it's a
1: shame i didn't see spielberg's uh you know musical you know this year now Okay, I, 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 wait, I, I, wait,
0: wait, wait, wait! Why are you jumping the gun? For I'm, I'm gonna get to that. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> I'm gonna get All to right. that. I'm gonna get to that. All
1: right, Lebe, Lebe. Okay, I'll, I'll just, I'll quietly go mute myself and shut up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm kidding. Your, your button, right? Whatever. Yeah. Uh, in the heights, though, you know, we. And this, this came like, I believe, like, where the uh, where the quarantine itself and, and just being home and having to work from home, just was just getting to my to my brain. I couldn't. Deal with it anymore and then this movie came and i just forgot about that shit for like two and a half hours roughly i just had a blast with this one by right? uh number eight i have to give to the suicide squad yes um cc this is a great movie this is easily the best comic book movie we've gotten this year and from my uh, from warner oops it's from dc and it's also a sequel to a film that a lot of people just try to you know push under underneath their their their, their cultures like oh that that david Ayer film did not exist sorry <laughs> no it didn't it won an oscar did it no okay shop it all right yeah but um in terms of what it did do, and it was just james gunn just being himself being experimental taking at times taking risks bold risks as well too i know and, and for me though like like i would say probably half or three quarters of it i did not see coming i just went and i was like oh my god he did this oh my god he did that wow he did this that suffered red flag wow he did that okay peacemaker wow okay okay and he just kept going 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 i love that right uh number seven we have the harder they fall boy um this was just a blast from start to finish yep. everybody just came through and revitalized yeah. the the western genre I, I, like, I, like what um tarantino did he um years earlier yeah with uh django and Shane.
1: yeah now it's, it's a real shame that they didn't pump, pump the soundtrack ahead of time and hype it more man i
0: the, know the, boy, yeah, but it's
1: still real hard i really enjoyed it more, more yeah. think about this work yeah
0: and and this was on netflix i would have loved to see this on the big screen man i would have loved to i would love to yeah, right for really have, right? yeah uh, number six, we have the Mitchell's vs. the Machines. This is easily the best animated film I've seen this year, though. This brought a smile to my face when I saw it. I remember watching it, and it was just all rainy. And this was right after, you know, um, our Prime Minister Keith Rowley gave us one of those speeches about, you know, um, you know, COVID and all that kind of stuff. I was right. like, wow, well, can can something lift me up, though? And then I watched this movie. I just had this smile on my face from start to end. Though. Loved it, right? Yes. Number five, I have to give to The Green Knight. Um, this was a film that I was hyped for ever since that teaser dropped. Still one of the best teasers I've seen. And then the trailer dropped the same day when, um, when Venom Let There Be Carnage came out. I was like, yeah, yeah, this this trailer's way better, right? But this movie was just so unconventional and so weird. It was artsy in the right ways. I, know, I, I love how it just challenged viewers and whatnot. I know some people walk out of this like, this shit makes no sense. This is weird. This is pretentious. But no, this is... And well love in general though is like just telling a story that is already hard to tell with a character that you're not really supposed to like but in a way you kind of get why he is the way he is as well too and just so gorgeously shot so well filmed and you know just 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 top-notch production from 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 beginning to end man love this love this movie right and number four ricardo is Steven Spielberg's West Side Story. Yes, uh, I was so fortunate to see this on the final day that it was in um, uh, Caribbean Cinemas 8. This is the cinema that I go to. It's the closest one I go to. And yeah, boy, um, Steven Spielberg just proves once again why he is one of the greatest directors in film history, man. Um, his second remake, because I know he did uh, War what the Worlds before, but this one was, yes, it was a love letter. and a, just a, Well, not just a remake, but just a love letter and a tribute to one of his, uh, one of his all-time favorite films, right? Right? And a dedication to his father as well too. Um, everything was just you know superb from top to bottom. Just seeing, you know, your favorite songs being remade and just remastered, so to speak, was just excellent in my opinion. And I would say, you know, we could argue that you know the first one is a masterpiece and all that. And it is, but this one is right up there, man. This is one of the best remakes and one of the best musicals ever made, in my opinion, right? Number three: a movie that is guaranteed to win a bunch of Oscars next year called this one time. Jean Campion's The Power of the Dog. Um, mm. Wow, this was just superb, boy. Superb. Benedict Cumberbatch needs to get an Oscar number for this one for sure. Gene Campion, if she wins Best Director, I'll be so happy for this. Um, yes. It was just so well made, so well written. And, you know, it's just all these layers, especially when it comes to, you know, sexuality and, you know, um, just... You know, the machismo that comes, you know, with with you know um the Western hero or anti-hero, so to speak, right? How this film touches on it was just was just excellent in my opinion. Number two, uh easily the best experience I've had in a theater, to the point that I saw this film um, twice in Movie Town in Trinidad and in IMAX Dune part one. Yes, nice. um this just blew my mind from the word go. I just love the new Villano's creative decision to say I'm gonna make this a two-parter. I'm not gonna try the David Village thing and try to compress everything into one movie and suck. No, I'm gonna tell the story the way I could tell it. And it was just super from top to bottom. The production design, the music. Oh my god, the music, the cinematography. Um, the acting, I mean, we could talk we I'm not gonna like put the acting on some kind of high pedestal, but it it was totally serviceable in terms of the story being told. And yeah, I am excited as hell for doing uh, for doing part two, right? Now, number one, after let this breed for a minute, right? So, um, let's get a little personal here. So, uh, as you guys may know, or you're listening, me or me not have known, uh, my mom actually passed away, uh, this year in June, right? And, um, right afterwards when, you know, she passed away, this film came out, right? I saw it, I loved it. This was one of the, the first films that I covered with the rebranding of, you know, BBB radio. Um, and I covered it also, slight spoiler, with a pick with an album which turns out to be my favorite album of the year, right? And it, you know, it's so similar, it's 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 baffling, right? But anyway, I was lucky enough to rewatch this film with my dad, though, because um, you know, well, my dad not really into movies that such, so I have to kind of drag him to show him films. I'm I'm actually fortunate enough to introduce him to old films, because you normally think, you know, your parents are supposed to teach you about old films, but I teach my dad about old films, right? I showed him this, and um, I mean, if it's one memory I could take away from this year, is uh, being able to watch this with him, man. And just seeing this right off the bat, um, not only is this the best documentary of 2021, it is, in my opinion, the best movie of 2021. It is one of the best. It is the best musical documentary by far this year. Of course, I am talking about Summer of Soul or When nice. the Revolution Could Not Be Televised. Nice, man. Yeah. West Love of the legendary roots crew came brilliant, in brilliant. and shut shit down with us. Oh my god. Film restoration. I am a huge fan of this. And he was able to take all this footage. Basically it's this um this this festival, this music festival that took place in Harlem in the summer of nineteen sixty nine, roughly around the same time when Woodstock was big, right? And was was happening right. as well too. Right. And this, for reasons, this was just kind of locked up. It was just kind of forgotten and people over the over the past, over the few decades, forgot that it even happened. And Questlove was like, no, I'm going to turn this into a film. I'm going to get people who not only uh, were on stage, but also people who attended the festival as well, too. I'm going to present this to the world." Trip. And I was just in awe of this movie from beginning to end. Um, the performances, oh, my God, just just OGs. Stevie Wonder, the uh, Miva Staples, and, the, you know, the Staples singers. Yeah. Um, Fifth Dimension, um, Mahalia Jackson and Miva Staples themselves, um, you know, the two of them having just a, a, a fantastic duo in the form of, well, du- duet, basically, sorry, uh, in the form <laughs> of uh, Take My Hand, Precious Lord. And what I loved about this movie here is that it could have just easily been, hey, this is a festival, And these are the people that were there, and this is why the festival is awesome, because they had all these singers here. But no, they really showed you how, you know, just the political climate of 1969, you know what I mean? Especially with, you know, race. And, you know, this is coming right after the, the, you know, the murders of both Malcolm X and Martin Luther King, right? And this particular performance with Take My Hand, Precious Lord, was a reflection of how, you know, Black America felt after, um, you know, Martin Luther King died, right? And it is... Wow, it is... So brilliant, but it, 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 it's it's it, it's close to 10 induced in my opinion. It is just such a powerful, powerful, powerful performance, right? But yeah, I just loved how, you know, um, Questlove just took us into that era. So it's not just about the music, but it's about, you know, the times that they were shaped in, right? And just the power of soul music itself being a reflection of those times, right? Uh, if you're a music aficionado, if you're a film restoration aficionado, if you're a historian, you know what I mean? If you're just a history buff, sorry uh you need to see this movie i absolutely love this this is easily the best film of the year by all means, please watch some of Soul. And last thing I must say, though, if you can watch it with your parents, watch it with your parents. Trust me, because, you know, uh, I mean, I mean, it's not going to be for everyone, but I know, like, you know, a lot of you guys, you yeah, probably had parents who brought you up on this type of music, brought you up on the Motown song, brought you uh, up on Stevie Wonder, you know what I mean? So just seeing that with my, with my dad, and, you know, it, it's unfortunate that I could not see this with my mom, because I I easily would have shown her this in a heartbeat. But, yeah, um, please watch this with your parents, right? It's It's... Brilliant. Um and last, last, last thing, sorry. I remember my review was giving it a four and a half out of five. Um, I actually gave this one last view a couple of days ago. Yeah, this is a five out of five. This is a masterpiece. This is one of the greatest musical documentaries of this or any generation, man. That's all I have to say. And yes, those were nice. our picks for yeah, those were our picks now. Well basically this was this was our run through of you know the best and the worst of twenty twenty one. Uh so you know please feel free to, you know, share your picks for best TV shows, you know, worst movies, best movies and all that jazz, right? And also best albums as well too, right? So you know feel free okay. to share those, right? Uh so before we go, uh CC, where can people find you online?
3: Uh people can find me as CC underscore the underscore Martian on Letterboxd. I actually have on Letterboxd my full list of all 95 of my favorite films that I saw this year, of uh, 10 out of 10s. Uh, every 10 out of 10 I gave this year, all comes to 95 is on my letterbox, and that's CC underscore the underscore Martian. Um, and that's the same username for my YouTube page, where I have um, my a few of my, my short films up, uh, my Twitter, my Instagram, uh, my Spotify. If you ever want to just kind of look at some of the like deranged music like uh, playlists I'm always putting together on there, uh, and that's just regular CC Lowford on Facebook. Uh, and yeah, I think that's yeah, I think that's everything. Yes.
0: All right, uh, Tracy, where can we find you online?
2: You can find me on uh, Instagram as we are Tracy. One word: we are Tracy. And then pretty much everywhere twitter youtube facebook tracy j hutchings all right
0: ricardo where can we find you online
2: um post at r d d y
1: at @rmedy on twitter and type in ricardo medina on facebook
0: all right and uh to the description of this uh podcast here you will find a link tree link once you click on it you will see uh basically links to my uh twitter my instagram my youtube channel and my facebook account right so uh on that facebook uh basically well sorry for the bbb radio account basically uh you'll find excerpts from you know um you know the episodes that we've done of bbb radio and you know retrospect reviews and of course bs and bailey so uh, yeah, y'all. Um, thanks so much for for listening. Um, yeah, Tracy, CC, Ricardo. Okay. Thanks so much for coming through. Um, um, and in general, guys, I mean, thanks so much for for just you know um, coming back to the full as far as you know me doing this this podcasting goes, man. Um, oh, yeah. You know, this thanks. year was was rough on me in particular. I mm. know it's really the same, you know, uh, for you guys in in various ways as well too. But oh. um, I am just glad, see that I was just able to just. You know go back into something that i'm really passionate about you know this this podcasting thing um and it's not just about me talking and, and griping about films but be, being able to to talk amongst you know um like-minded individuals like you guys as well too learning about films learning about you know different perspectives and ways to look at films and will and all that kind of stuff so yeah i mean thank you guys for for, for coming through. man I mean that in the bottom of my heart and yeah, um uh, listening as well too i mean thank you so much um if you if you haven't checked out the stuff that I've done over the past uh, six months, please do. And, of course, the BSB to billy stuff that I did at the beginning of the year as well. Um, but, yeah, man, I mean, we actually need it, right? You know what I mean? Not just the end of 2021, but, you know, um, the end of the first season of, BS, uh, of, of BBB Radio. Sorry. And, yeah. yeah, here's hoping that we get, you know, more um, seasons to go um i i have a cutoff point but who knows i could see this going way beyond you know because I, mean? I want to do live things but i could see you know as this outlet that i could just continue to come to to, to come in and just talk about stuff that interests me right um and you know keep it doing like a
2: cw show forever and ever and ever <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's six a season of movie TV. right
0: Six is seasons of a movie, right? But, you know, we, we we passed that, but you know, we, we, we
1: could get there. we could get
0: we could get the movie back.
1: Rick, Rick and Matthew. Rick Matthew, hundred years, Rick and Matthew.
0: Rick Matthew, yeah. hundred years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and guys, I mean I hope, you know, I'm just hoping the same to you guys, you know I mean, in terms of twenty twenty two. Um just being able to, you know, just pursue your dreams and just accomplish things. Oh. This is what I wanna do. Yeah, it had it, had, it,
1: had, it had, the, the recent bad news like Desmond Tutu die and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, yes, and yes, like,
0: yes. R.I.P. But not...
1: Desmond Tutu, by the way. Yeah, but it, you have good news like Mark Twell getting guilty. So it's like, yes, oh. I just saw that. <laughs> yeah,
2: she has good. been sentenced or so whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So, so, so good things, good things, Matt. So, um, I'm looking forward to even more good things in 2022. Right. And yeah, that's pretty much about it. So once again, guys, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, whenever you to this is. This was Machibili and Ricardo Medina. Thanks for coming oh, true boy, yet boy. again,
2: man. Oh yeah. Yes. Uh oh, yeah, Tracy, in there Hutch- <laughs> <laughs> Tracy Hutchins,
0: again, thanks for coming true, man.
2: Anytime, anytime. Peace and goodwill and all that good stuff.
3: Yes, yes. And CC, thanks for coming true, man. You're welcome. And for all of you at home, if you are out in space and you find a mysterious life form that looks like a starfish, leave it alone.
0: Please, please, uh, that's
1: if, if, if That's a
3: starfish
0: from, from space, you're like, what? Oh, oh, uh. Right. And this has been the, the season finale of, well, season one finale, I should say, of BBB Radio. So until the next one, take care. Hope you guys had a happy holiday. Uh, season greetings. Happy New Year. All the best for 2022.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, that's a
0: low (laughs) rock.